Okay, if you like a title, my title for today is What is Your Perspective? What's your perspective? It's quite good because um, we just had Christmas and then stepped into the new year. It's a great time to start planning and making resolutions and thinking what does this year look like for me and what do I want to achieve and all those kind of things. And, and now, now this week we've got the fast and we're starting to believe for breakthrough and it's like another new beginning. And then next week we become Equippers Essex. We're giving all these new beginnings. So it's good opportunity to, to keep thinking what does it look like for me what does this year look like for me it gives us another opportunity to dream and can I encourage you never stop dreaming sometimes people just get so squashed that they almost just give up on life and go through the motions but I want to say to you today stir up that dream in your heart you've got so much to hope for to hope for and God is with you so keep that dream alive in you but here's my challenge so often we think about the year ahead, but could we think further than that? Could we think really far ahead? I wonder if we looked at this idea of dreams differently and worked from the end backwards. Who knows if you're a really good planner, you don't plan from the front, you plan from the end. This is what we're going to achieve, and so these were the steps we'd need to go to get there. And you plan backwards. Really good planners, that's how they plan. I've learned that this year. So what if we looked at our life that way? Maybe, you know, I'm not trying to create a deathbed experience here, but maybe in the later years of your life, you might reflect on your life and you'll ask yourself questions. And when you realise what those questions are going to be, it might change how you behave now. Questions like, who did you love? Questions like, who did you bless? Questions like, who did you encourage? What did you contend for in prayer? Who saw Jesus in you? They are good questions to ask yourself. And if you thought to yourself at the end of it all, you were going to ask yourself those kinds of questions, would it change how you're going to behave this year and next year and the year after? Because I want to contend for some stuff. I want my life to count for something. I want someone's life to be better because they met me. I want someone to meet Jesus because they met me. They're big questions in life, and I encourage you to wrestle them through. How about... Beyond that, could we be people who get an eternal perspective? Now that's quite out there. But here's some truth. On average, most people are going to live somewhere between 80 and 100 years, roughly. There's agreement on that? There and thereabouts. There's a few people that live way beyond 100, but not many. On average, somewhere between 80 and 100 years. And then there will be eternity in heaven which makes our 80 to 100 years a little dot in the course of time. So wouldn't it be better right now to get an eternal perspective, to get heaven's perspective now that would affect how we live these 80 to 100 years now because eternity is going to be there? Do you see? So often we get caught up in the world with what's going on around us and what we want to achieve and what we want to do and all this kind of stuff when actually if we could get an eternal perspective, it just puts a whole different slant on stuff and it's good to wrestle with those kind of things. So I encourage you to start thinking longer term. So bearing all of that in mind, is anyone here familiar with Joyce Meyer, the preaching lady? She's really cool. She's probably got one of the, one of the possibly the biggest, if not one of the biggest, itinerant ministries. She, she guest preaches everywhere. She travels. And she's just amazing. She's an amazing, amazing lady. Um, but her most successful book is called Battlefield for the Mind. 
So this lady who's been given this awesome global ministry made it important to talk about thought process. Talk about the wrestle that goes on in you. Your thought life is so influential. So influential to you and to how you treat people and how you see things. So what do you hope for this year? And do you think you can do it? Because it's all right just saying random stuff. But what do you really think? What do you think? And what influences those thoughts? I love this in Proverbs 23 verse 7 in the New King James Version. It says this. <coughs> For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. See, see, when you think something, when something's going on up in your mind and in your heart, it dictates how you're going to behave. As you think in your heart, so you're going to be. Biblical statement. So if that's true, what do you think? What's going on? So often I think we come to these new beginning moments and we set goals in terms of what we're going to do and what we're going to achieve. But can I ask for another perspective again? Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Because the reality is who you are directly influences what you're going to do. Who you are becomes the springboard for what you're going to achieve. And so if we can address this issue of who we're going to be, it will dictate where we're going to go and what we're going to achieve. And again, it's a great challenge for us to have. Men, who are you going to be as a husband? Who are you going to be as a boyfriend? Who are you going to be as a father? Women, who are you going to be as a wife, a girlfriend, a mother? What does that look like for you? Who do you want to be? Are you being that person or do you need to shift something? Who are you going to be as a student? Who are you going to be in the workplace? Who are you going to be as an employer? Who are you going to be in the business world? Who are you going to be? Who are you going to be in the church? Because when you start working out who you're going to be, it dictates how you're going to behave and what you're going to think about and where you're going to go. You know, we launched next week, don't we, as equippers at Essex, and it started getting me questions. Who do we want to be as a church? If we start thinking about from the end backwards, wouldn't it be great if we were the group, when people talked about us, they said things like this, they're the most generous people you'll ever meet. Financially, with their time, with their skills, there's just nothing they won't do. Wouldn't it be great if at the end of it all we look back and that was the average thing people said about us? This group of people, they're so faithful. When they say they're going to do something, they do something. And they're full of faith. So they don't only do what they can do, they press into God and they go beyond their own natural ability because God adds his weight to them. They are men and women of faith. Could we be that group of people? Could we be the most loving, accepting, inclusive bunch of people on the planet? Could people come into the church with an opinion on what church is, come here and go, wow, just wow, because you included me, you accepted me, you didn't judge me, and you showed me Jesus. Could we be that group of people? Could we be that group of people? I get excited about that kind of stuff. I'm not seeing much excitement. I think there's a few smiley faces, but much noise going on. Could we be that group of people? So that when your friend, when your family member comes in, when your next door neighbor comes into this expression of God's house, they're like, wow, I want to come again. Because something's going on in the inside of me, and I don't get what it is, but I just like being here. Could we be that group of people? Because then people encounter Jesus, and Jesus changes lives. Could we be that group of people? When you function as the best version of you, 
the things that you want to achieve flow from that place much easier. And so it begs this question, uh, what noises around your life, and there are noises around your life, what noises are influencing how you think about yourself? You know, Jesus, when we look at him, he knew exactly who he was all of the time. You know, they, they, he questioned and he gave this classic answer, and it's, it's just the best answer ever. He said, before Abraham was, I am. You see, sometimes in our context, we're like, well, what on earth does that mean? But be sure of this, the people who were listening to it at the time knew exactly what he was saying. He was saying, I'm God. Before Abraham. Well, how could you be before Abraham? I am. God, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And so for anyone who debates Jesus, he can't just be a prophet. He can't just be a good man or a teacher, because that's not what he said of himself. He says, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I'm God. So he's either exactly what he said he was, or he's an absolute fruit loop. Because who says that? And I know what I think. I believe him. For me, Jesus is God. Always was, always is, always will be. And I give my life for him. You know, some things in life, you start saying to yourself, would you take a bullet for that? Do you know what? If someone threatened one of my family members, I'd take a bullet for that. If someone said to me, do you think X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, mm, maybe, I'm not going to take a bullet for that. But if someone said to me, do you believe Jesus is good? I'd, God, I'd take a bullet for that. Because I know, I know, I know, I know. And I've settled it. It's how I think and it affects how I live. Matthew 8, uh, 16, verses 13 through 17, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Who do they say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. You see, the reality is there's always going to be noise. Who do they say I am? What's the noise? But then there's this big question. What do you say? Who do you say I am? And you know what? It's okay to hear the noise. But does that noise get into your head and your heart and change how you think and therefore change how you act? I love that Peter just declares, you're the anointed one. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And I love it that Jesus says to him, my Father in heaven has shown you this. In essence, what he's saying is, you've got true identity from heaven's perspective. When you get true identity from heaven's perspective, it changes everything. It doesn't matter what the noise is, because you've got it. People can have an opinion on me. People can have an opinion on you. People can have an opinion on us. And do you know what? It doesn't matter. What matters is, what does God say? And when that's in my heart, it changes everything how I live. And it will change everything for how you live too. I love it when you get a real, genuine, true perspective of Jesus. It allows you to get a true perspective of you. And that goes on to do all kinds of stuff. And heaven's perspective is this, that you're a child of the living God. That you're an heir of promise. That you're a prince or a princess. That you're loved, that you're accepted, you're gifted. These things are true. The Bible says you are his treasured possession and that you're the apple of his eye. That is your truth. He sings songs of love over you. 
That is heaven's perspective of you. And if we could get that in our heart and say, it doesn't matter what people say of me, it matters what he says of me, it changes everything. It becomes a springboard for life that you go somewhere because you've got identity correctly. I um, want to share you a bit of a story from, from 1987. Who wasn't born in 1987? Wow, about half the church. Come on, come on. Uh, I want to tell you a little story about my brother uh, Daniel here. Uh, in 1987, Daniel was in year eight at school. And uh, he's, uh, all of our family are quite athletic. Um, my youngest brother, Michael, he was the fastest 100 metres runner in Great Britain at under 14. At 14 years of age, he ran the 100 metres in 11.04. Um, he was the fastest white man you've ever seen. <laughs> and... Uh, and Daniel and myself were quick too. And um, it was a sports day coming up. And in our school, we had about 1,500 pupils there. And we had this great um, uh, running track. It was marked out on grass. But we had this bank that went along the 100-metre stretch. And the whole school sat on this bank. And so it became like a 1,500-seat auditorium of grass. It was just a brilliant day. And when you're athletic and you're running and the whole school's going, yeah, and you're like 12 years old, it's brilliant. And some people hated Sports day, I loved it. And um, so I'm five years older than Daniel, so here's Daniel in year eight, and I was right at the end of school going to sixth form, and um, he'd won in year seven, he'd won the 100 metres, and obviously people start talking, oh, you know, Daniel's really fast. But during year eight, this new lad had arrived called Waikiho uh, from China, and um, he was like a man. <laughs> Daniel was 12 years old, and this guy turned up, he was like he was 25. <laughs> And uh, he was all so quick. And they saw him in practice and they were saying, oh, no, no, Daniel's not going to beat him. He'll never beat him. He's not a wike. He's going to win this. Wike's going to win this. And to be fair, if you looked at them standing next to each other, you're thinking, Wike's going to win that. <laughs> he, had, he had hairier legs than I've got now. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so um, sports day comes. And uh, me and Daniel done some extra training. And do you know what? On an average of 1,500 people stood there, I reckon 1,499 of them didn't think Daniel was going to win. I did, because I stood with him. He, was, he, he totally, totally, totally believed he was going to win. Daniel, he wouldn't waver. All the noise around him, but he believed who he was and what he could do. He believed it. And there's this brilliant photo. It must have been my dad that took this photo. Um, but there's this brilliant photo at the start of the race. And uh, can we bring it on screen? I hope you can pick it out. This is the photo of the start of the 100 metres. This is Waikiki. <laughs> this is Daniel. <laughs> this is 1987 attire. <laughs> Daniel still wears it. Um, but what I want you to see here is that this wasn't a full start. They didn't get pulled back. But Daniel is up and running. Everyone else's hands are still on the floor. You see, when you know who you are, when you don't listen to the noise, when the gun goes bang, you're not thinking, oh no, what happens, what happens? You're off. I'm going to win. I'm going. And do you know what? He won that race by about 10 metres. And I was at the end. Yeah, go on, give him a round of applause. I was at the end of the 100 metres. He'd run past the whole school, and the whole school was like that. <laughs> Waikiki's legs, boom, boom. Dan's little legs. <laughs> but I tell you what, he shifted. 
the whole school started going. And to be fair, when he won, they cheered because everyone liked Daniel, but they just didn't believe he was going to win. But he believed he was going to win. We danced and celebrated, and we were, at the, we were at the end, and there was us two brothers at the end going down the whole school going, in your face, in your face. <laughs> <laughs> Not that we were ever competitive or anything. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we started Equippers Essex like that? Yeah. There's going to be an opinion on Equippers Essex. It's going to happen. But wouldn't it be great if we believe what God said? That actually, we're going to be the most loving people on the planet. We're going to be the people that carry Jesus strongly. We're going to be the people who see miracles because we're men and women of faith. We're going to be people who carry the Holy Spirit everywhere we go and infuse his presence and his fragrance everywhere we go. Could we be that bunch of people? And could we start next week by stepping up and saying, that's how I'm going to start because if I start well, it's going to help me finish well. And if I look at the end of it all wearing backwards, I would want to say to myself, start well. And here we have this opportunity next weekend to say we're starting. And we're going to start like that picture. It was such a good moment. If Daniel had allowed the noise to get into his head, it would have psyched him out. Do you know there are sports psychologists in all the big clubs now, all multi-sports because how you think affects how you perform. And so Daniel wasn't having it. And he totally believed in his own ability. And he won. It didn't affect him at all. How about you? Yeah, I love this in Hebrews 12 and verse 1. It says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so in easily entangles and run our race well. I love it. Heaven is cheering you on. Heaven believes in you. The question is, do you believe in you? Because if you believe what heaven believes about you, you will run your race well. You will win. I love it. Jesus knows who you are. And he knows what you could do. All of heaven knows who you are and what you could do. The challenge for us is, do we know who we are and what we could do? And in a group like this, could we cheer each other on? You can do it. You know, I was the only one who stood with my brother. But wouldn't it be great if we all stood together and said, do you know what, that dream you've got, you can do it. I'm going to stand with you. Believe it. Don't listen to the noise. It's time to dream again, church. It's time to dream again. What is it that you could do? I love the idea that heaven roars. When the king's kids get up in the morning, heaven roars. Go on. Heaven loves it when you step into being who you were called to be. When you start flowing in your gift and your dream, heaven's like, go on. We need to be with each other. Go on. Let's do life together. Sometimes I think we look at church as a gathering on a Sunday, and of course in one way it is. But wouldn't it be great if we could become the church that does life together? Well, you know the things you're facing. Well, you know the things you're hoping for. And therefore we walk it out literally hand in hand going, come on, we can do this. And then we win and we celebrate hard. And when we hit the deck, we pick each other up, we dust each other off and we go again because we're in it together. Are there things that you need to continue to say yes to to achieve the dream in your heart? And are there things you need to say no to to achieve the dream in your heart? And I think sometimes we're good at saying yes and not good at saying no. And we need to be people who have wisdom enough to say both. I just like, you know, as I was reflecting on my year coming up, just this whole idea of small steps of discipline 
Sometimes we think, I need to change dramatically. But do you know what? Small steps of discipline, continual steps of discipline, actually achieve big goals. And sometimes you just need to say, I could do this, and I can do that tomorrow, and I can do that tomorrow. And you stick at it, and just that discipline of saying yes to the right things and no to the wrong things allows you to get somewhere. And you look back and you go, yes, I'm here. I'm where I dreamed of. Church, we need to be men and women of discipline. You can do it. But you need to choose and believe you can do it. Stop talking about it and get on and do something. Because you will make a difference. But who knows speaking is powerful? James 3 verses 4 and 5 say this. Um, take chips as an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set, uh, set on fire by a small spark. The idea here is that here's our entire being, our tongue's small, but when we talk the wrong stuff, it actually changes the direction of our life. And it's so crucial that we get our speaking in line with our thinking. Otherwise, we miss it. I want to do a little exercise with you just to prove this point. In a moment, I don't mean to say anything, but in your head, I want you to count to ten in second gaps, like one, two, three. In your head, don't say anything, don't say anything at all, but then listen to my instructions. Are we up for this? Can we do that, church? Everyone's all right to ten, yeah? <laughs> Just, yeah. Toby's in the room. <laughs> Ready? After three, just in your head. One, two, three, go. Now say your name out loud. Now say your name out loud. Say your name out loud. Say it. Say it. Did I hear it? What happened to the counting? I'll tell you what happens. When you're thinking wrong and you speak truth, you arrest the wrong thought. And you arrest the wrong thought and replace it with a new thought that you're speaking out. I told you to keep counting. But the moment I said speak your name out, you stopped counting. You were thinking about your name. Do you see? And it's true in life. Sometimes you'll start thinking along the wrong road. And the moment you realize you're doing that, you need to speak out some truth. Let me give you some examples. I can't be bothered to go to the gym today. This eating plan is too hard. I'm too tired to go and meet up with those people. All along you've wanted to get healthier and fitter. All along you wanted to create new relationships. But your head starts going back into old thought lives. I can't be bothered. I'm too tired. It's too difficult. But we need to speak some truth out. No, I'm in charge of my body. I will discipline myself. I'm taking small steps every day so I achieve my goals. I'm going to do it. Arrest the negative thoughts and speak out some truth and act on it. Let's be disciplined. How about this? Thoughts enter. I'll never have the finances to pursue that dream. Might as well just give up. We heard a testimony just along those lines. But how about we arrest that thought and we speak out some truth? My God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory. It's not even about me. It's about him. And when you arrest that thought and you speak truth, it encourages you so you can act. We need to learn how to be dictating where our thought life is taking us by speaking truth over ourselves. I'll never achieve that goal. My friends all think I'm stupid for even thinking about it. But how about we speak something out? No, there is too much potential in me. I'm a child of God and all things are possible for those that love him. You speak truth. And when you speak truth, it arrests that negative thought, stops it and starts a new thought. 
and it dictates life. Do you see what I'm trying to say? You could apply that to any area of your life, but we need to be men and women of discipline. Otherwise, we're going to get to the end of 2019, look back and go, oh, I'll start again next year. No, start now. Start now. Start well. Get off the blocks. Beat Waikiki. <laughs> Don't let those thoughts damage your future. And that's why we need each other. Because left to your own devices, it's so easy to get on a wrong thought process and you think you're doing it right and you end up over here when you were supposed to be over there. And yet what you really needed was someone who loved you to be as a bouncing board. And say, so, you know, what do you think? I'm feeling like, no, you don't need to do that. Come on, let's pray it through. Let's press. And you shift your life and it changes things. How about this? How about consume your thought life with the good stuff? Philippians 4 verse 8 says this. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. How often do we start thinking about other things? And yet God's saying, come on, think about the good stuff. So let me ask you some practical questions. What gives you that buzz? What excites you? What makes you smile? Do you know, jot this one down. Proverbs 17, 22 says this, cheerful heart is good medicine. God wants us to have the fullest life, and so we need a full life of things that make us smile. Do you know what? It's okay to go on that holiday. Enjoy yourself. Knock yourself out. Get that creativity in you. Make a, make a song. Write a book. Do a poem. Whatever it is, something in you needs expressing. Do a painting. Draw a picture. Whatever it is that excites you, get on and do it. Think on those things because there's something in you that needs to be brought out. And if you don't bring it out, it gets squashed down and then you get frustrated and you never end up fulfilling your own potential. Go and explore. Do the house up. Sarah, my wife, yeah. loves doing the house up. She's not in here, so I'm getting away with saying it. How about this? Give some stuff away. Give me a wave if you've given some stuff away. It really feels good to give stuff away, doesn't it? I encourage you this year, give something away, especially something that costs you and blesses someone else. You'll think, oh, what am I doing that for? And at the end of it, you'll be like so chuffed with yourself, it brings something good up in you. Give some stuff away. It's good. It's praiseworthy. Think on those things. How about the people in your life? Amazing people. How about celebrate them? We all go around going, oh, I've got a great brother. I've got a great mum and dad. I've got great friends. Do you tell them? Tell them. Because it's, it's nice. It brings a buzz. Let's enjoy this life. Let's think on those things. Let's pull the best out in each other so that we can achieve the goals that are set in our heart. I just, I just wonder whether, in actual fact, when God's looking at us, he's like, you're my children. And I've put eternity in your hearts, the ability to think long. I put it in you, and I want to see you win. Now I look at my Josh and Evie, and I can see the gift in their lives. And it's part of my role to keep challenging them to go further. Who knows, children left to their own devices won't achieve very much. But when mum or daddy say, come on, come on. I wonder if God's in heaven going to his church. Come on, come on. There's so much in you, and I want to pull it out of you. And I'm going to stick pastor on stage and say, come on, let's do this thing. Write that book, do that poem, preach that sermon, 
apply for that job, start that business, have that baby. I don't know what it might be, but something is in you and allow it to come out. Ecclesiastes 3.11 just bangs home biblically. He has made everything beautiful in his time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. You have a biblical ability to think long. And I want to encourage you. Where is it you want to be? What do you want to have achieved? Who do you want to be? And when you start there and look back, it changes how you think and feel and act now. And I want to see that in you. Is there some amen somewhere? Amen. Who you are going to be flows easiest. What you're going to achieve flows easiest when you know who you're going to be. And I just want to leave you with this challenge. Jesus knew who he was. Satan knew who he was. There was noise all around him. Jesus knows who you are. Satan knows who you are. There's all noise around you. So what do you think? And based on what you think, what are you going to go on to do? How are you going to go on to live? What are you going to be remembered for? Because they're big questions and they're good questions. And I just know, I'm so excited about next week and starting Equippers Church because, you know, it's still going to be me and us in this building. But I believe in spiritual principles. And we carry an anointing as Kessed Church and I don't believe we'll ever lose that anointing. But Equippers carry a slightly different anointing. But we're going to step into that. So what you will experience isn't necessarily about what you're going to see here back at what God's going to do because of the anointing we're stepping into and they are particularly anointed with teenagers interesting seeing some families of teenagers come into the house I'm believing we're going to have a teenage group of a hundred people really quickly put it on my fast board I'm fasting for that if you're men and women who know teenagers who are either dropped out of church or on the fringes of church or never been to church bring them here because there's going to be an anointing where they're going to meet Jesus I just know it would you pray into that with me let's believe it we had some people come forward the other week and said I'd love to serve in that area I've got your numbers I will contact you I'm believing we're going to see a massive youth ministry just burst out of this church I'm praying for a new building started to look at other buildings this place is going to be too small for us lots of people are away today and yet we're still lovely busy if everyone came we wouldn't have enough seats in this building so where do we need to go we need to go a bigger building would you pray with me i want us to own our own building not keep renting and worrying about what we can and can't do who knew you had all this hassle about taking a couple of lights down for crying out loud what about if we had our own building what about if it was massive what about if it was such a place where we could serve the community from it? Wouldn't it be great if we had our own coffee shop and we set the culture? We could serve Costa if you wanted, Becky. You know. <laughs> Can you start dreaming with me? God spoke to us at the beginning of, of Kesset Church's vision, and we're not going to lose that vision, that we would be thousands strong. Well, we're nowhere near that, but I'm still believing it. Wouldn't it be awesome if you brought your friend or your family member or your niece or nephew to a church and it was so vast they were like, wow, this is awesome. Could we be that group of people? Do you know where it starts? On our knees. Saying, Lord, I'm pressing into you. We're fasting. We're giving over something right now.
saying no to some food, to say yes to a bigger answer from heaven. I want to see all of your families in church because I believe in church is where you're going to flourish the most. I believe in church is where people are going to find themselves the true version of themselves. There's so many hurting people in this world for all kinds of reasons. And I believe Jesus is the ultimate healer. And I know you do too. Could we be that church that introduces people to a relationship with Jesus that changes lives? So I encourage you, get on the back of this fast. But use it as a point of reference for you to say, who am I going to be? How am I going to dream? And how am I going to get there? And invite some people to walk it out with you. Because one can kill a thousand, but two can kill ten thousand. Something special about doing life together. God made us for a relationship. God made us a family. Could I invite you to stand? I'd love to pray for you. I invite you just to close your eyes if you're willing. You don't have to. Just creates a little moment between you and the Father. Father, thank you that our true identity is found in you. That in that place there's complete security. We don't have to be someone we're not. We don't have to try hard. We can relax and be ourselves. Lord, I pray where people's dreams have been squashed, that you would reignite dreams in people's hearts. Lord, I pray where people's skill sets have been frowned upon or laughed at, that you would reignite those skill sets. Lord, help us all to see us as we really are. Loved children of the Father fully accepted, forgiven, our future assured. But just with every eye closed, I want to give a couple of opportunities to respond. I wonder if it'd be helpful for you to say a prayer today and respond and say, I genuinely want today to be a new beginning for me. I want to stop thinking like I've been thinking and start thinking in line with heaven again. If that's you, no one's looking, it's just me and you. Give us a wave, we're going to pray together. Bless you, 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 bless you. Lots of people, you can put your hands down. Father, you've seen the hands, you've seen the hearts, you know the lives. We choose together to say sorry for allowing our minds to go off on a wild one. For today, Father God, we choose to come back and get our thought life in line with you. We choose to dream again. We choose to be a more authentic version of ourselves. We let the past go and we get excited about the future. I want to declare it over you people. You will win. You will win. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Is there anyone here today who's come to service and you don't know Jesus? Or you're far away from Jesus? And you've been in the meeting, you're like, I want to be close to this Jesus. 
I was once, but I'm not anymore. Or maybe you've never known him. He's the king of kings and he loves you. He came for relationship and it requires a response in your heart that says yes. So with every eye closed, if that's you today, just throw your hand up and say, that's me, I'm going to be right with Jesus. I'm making today important. I'm starting with him today. I want to give you that opportunity. God bless you there at the back. God bless you there at the side. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Don't leave this place unchanged. Thank you, Father. Come on, church. We're celebrating with two brilliant people. I'm going to pray a line. Church, you pray the line after me. Let's pray it together. Father God, thank you that you love me. Today, I invite you to live in my heart, to be my Lord, to be my Savior, to be my friend. Lead me on. I choose to follow you. And all God's people said, Amen. Should we give Father a round of applause?